Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the field. It go down. It go down in the field. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. And I'm Eben Novi williams and you're listening to the $1.8 billion sports business podcast, The Sportacast. I'd have gone more personal than that, Eben. I mean, again, I look at you on the video. We are recording the lifestyle of the rich and famous seaside surfside live from San Diego, California, Eben with a headband podcast. Yeah, what a, I'm out in San Diego for the first time, have a house in La Jolla on the beach for a bachelor party. Why do we not live out here, Scott? I've what, said what we, that so many times. <laughs> My buddy, too, and you're, yeah, got married out in San Diego, uh, San Diego State, as a matter of fact. And it's the first time I ever went surfing. He he brought all of us out there and gave us lessons and everything. And uh, it took a little while, but then I you know I actually got up and surfed for the first time. And I, I don't know whether I'm just lazy or too busy or whatever excuse I can make, but I, I should be doing that way more. Like even around here, it's not the same as surfing in San Diego. But uh, I really enjoyed it. I'm like I, I should do this more. I don't know why I don't. I know I know some folks have told me they send their kids to surfing camp at the Jersey Shore in Long Island. I'm like. Forget the kids. I should send myself to surfing camp. Where's growing like those fantasy camps, like baseball and stuff? Forget that. I want grown up surfing camp. Yeah, the we I also went surfing for the first time this weekend. Uh, it is way more work than I thought it was. I thought you yeah. just sit on sit on the board. Wait no, for the it's hard to get out. You have to, to paddle hard it. to get out there, and, and then, then you're when waiting. You catch a wave you're waiting. In, you got to get yeah. all the way back out again. Yeah, <laughs> I enjoyed it, but it is not. A, it's not an easy pastime by any means. If you want that, you can do the jet ski toe back out. <laughs> mm. If you want the easy route, you, you Next can sign time up for, for we'll one of do those. That. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, uh, speaking of waves. This good? Hmm. Good transition? Yeah, very nice. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of waves, we do have a wave of private equity investment in sports and uh, two stories we broke uh, late last week. One, our, our friends over at Arctos Sports Partners investing in the Sacramento Kings, 17% stake, valuation of $1.84 billion. Kudos, Kurt Badenhausen. It happens to be the exact valuation uh, that he and Peter Schwartz had pegged uh, when we did the NBA valuations. And then also Yogadi, who I must admit, a rapper I had not heard of un- until last week, taking a 1% stake, and we're seeing a lot of this in MLS and DC United, 
at a valuation of $730 million, you know, among the highest we've seen so far. So the, uh, the, liquidity, uh, the, the liquidity keeps on coming, right, Evan? Yeah, and let's let's start with the, with the first one, the Kings one, just because because the, the number is much bigger, one point eight billion. Scott, we've mentioned many times on the show, the NBA, one of the leagues, one of the many leagues that is opening up the possibility for teams to sell minority stakes to private equity. It's the league where we've seen it the most. I think at this point, there's been five or six deals this year alone. Um, this is among the biggest, not the actual biggest. I think I wrote in the, in the story that we published that it was believed to be the biggest stake from a percentage standpoint. Uh, that's actually not right. Um, Sixth Street, when they bought into the San Antonio Spurs, they bought about 20% of the club there. Michael Dell bought another 10. Um, but we are starting to see whether it's CVC, Sixth Street, Dial, Arctos. We're starting to see groups um, that, that really feel like there is a smart investment to be made here by buying up small stakes of NBA teams. Yeah, Dial was already in on the Kings. Let's not forget that from a previous investment. Mm. And the interesting point here, yes, you're getting a basketball team. But you wonder, uh, like, what are the further synergies beyond just the team? You're also getting real estate. You're getting tech. You're sort of picking an investment partner here in, in Vivek Ranadive and all the things that he's bringing in. We know what we're seeing all around sports investment and a lot of these team accelerators is that teams are taking equity in companies in things that they will use anyway. And then because of the power of sport, it then scales far beyond just the sports to sort of your your everyday use. So um, that's an opportunity here for Arctos and Dial to be involved with Vivek to uh, get some international uh, as well. We know, you know, Vivek is the first Indian owner in the NBA and obviously to ties to, to India. Um, he drafted an Indian player looking to promote his team, his brand, as well as the NBA around the world. You are tying yourself to that. This is not solely about the Sacramento Kings. It's in totality. What are they doing? What is their investment portfolio? What are the tent poles that they are driving into the ground that support the Sacramento Kings brand? Without question. And as it was explained to me, the Kings, th there are teams that have ownership that is kind of very concentrated among one or, or just a few people. The Kings are not that. From, from what I understand, they have more than two dozen LPs, or at least they did a little while ago. So this is also kind of a consolidation of Kings ownership. I, I believe Vivek Renadive also purchase some shares as kind of part of this transaction or are in coordination with this transaction as well. So I think there are a number of, of, of LPs in the Kings limited partners that are getting bought out as part of this. So, so there's also a consolidation uh, aspect going on there, Scott. Uh, just to remind our, our listeners, uh, the the way that the NBA is, has set up its rules for private equity, uh, no uh, single firm can own more than 20% of any team and team and firms that are not dial can only own up to, up to five, up to equity in five teams. No team can sell more than 30%. So the, the Spurs, as I mentioned, are kind of at that 30% already. The Kings have the 17% stake, plus I believe a 5% stake that was sold to Dial. So there's at least a little bit of room for the Kings to do a little bit more in the private equity space if they want it. Um, but I think we're going to continue to see these deals flowing, Scott, over the next 18 months. Yeah, a few things to note. One, this is not the first investment in the NBA made by Arctos. They also mm. invested in the Golden State Warriors. Speaking of tech and brands and real estate, um, also, they get, you said there were four LPs who sold. Vivek Renadive took out one, Arctos took out the other three. With those three came board seats. So Arctos gets three board seats. That's, that's always important when you get in on the decision making of, of how things will go. Yeah, and explain I'm told, to that why that's so important, right? We, we talk a lot about LPs and, and often they don't come with board seats at all. Getting, getting a limited stake that includes some kind of voting power and decision making power is actually kind of rare. 
yeah, you get a seat at the table Ra- rather than just being sort of this passive investor where you just sit back and other people make decisions and, and are in on the conversations. I'm sure some LPs that don't have board seats probably get some input, but it's not the same as having an official seat on the board. You are there. You are tasked with making the decisions that will affect the franchise and the investment. So uh, Arctos gets three board seats. And I'm told that Shaq, who was an investor in the Kings, was not one of the sellers um, with his recent deal with one of the betting companies. I don't even know if you remember. I can't keep track of who's with who anymore. Um, I was told he was not one of the sellers. So maybe an opportunity for whether Vivek or somebody else to maybe take another small stake when Shaq eventually gets out of the Kings. So, uh, you know, this is just the beginning. We've said it. This is not going anywhere. There will be more of these to come. Let's use Shaq as a transition there from one celebrity uh, sports investor to another. Yo Gotti, you mentioned uh, rapper from Memphis, bought up a little over 1% of of DC United. I view this as two, just kind of the mashing together of two big trends we're seeing in soccer. One being in US soccer, one being celebrity investors. You can go down the list of people like Matthew McConaughey, Kevin Durant, Patrick Mahomes, uh, James Harden, the list of people that have small stakes in, in clubs. And two, just massive valuations right now uh, for, for soccer teams. We talked about DC United specifically a couple weeks ago when Mark Ingram, the NFL player, invested. I think that valuation was was two hundred was seven hundred and ten million. So it's even a little higher uh, for, for for Yo Gotti. Um, but it certainly seems, and we don't have to rehash the whole thing. But but these valuations are inflated by the fact that people really believe long term value post World Cup or World Cup being in the U.S. Um, that MLS has a lot of room to grow and maybe not necessarily as much on the financials of these teams right now. I'm not as uncool as I seem. I can I can probably sing some lines from Olivia Rodrigo, but Yo Gotti, <laughs> I, I've got no idea. Like I, I really don't know. But uh, Jason Levian, of course, the the, uh, the owner over there at DC United, he used to be in Memphis with the NBA's ownership group. Uh, Gotti being from Memphis, so that's where they hooked up. He was spotted at the All-Star game with the commissioner, so that should have raised some eyebrows as to, hey, 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 yo, what is Gotti doing here? <laughs> you know, well, oh, God. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Now we know the answer to that question. <laughs> but also, it, it brings me to this, and, and we hear it all the time now, and I hear it from owners really all the time when they're selling pieces. They need more than just money. Anybody with the money can come and be an investor in the team. You want to know beyond that, what are the strategic advantages to me picking you as an investor in my team? And when A-Rod was looking at the New York Mets, with JLo, what was part of their plan to turn City Field more into an entertainment venue? They were, they mentioned a lot about concerts in, in concert, no pun intended, with the game, just making it more enter, entertainment-friendly facility. That's the same thing here. If I'm DC United, I have a wonderful facility in Audi Field. I wonder, can I get some assistance into turning uh, that that building into an entertainment venue. Obviously, Yo Gotti has experience in the music, uh, sold part of his company to Interscope. So he, he understands music, entertainment. That's the kind of thing that brings added value to an investor. It's not just money because that's, an, that's available in a wide variety of places. What yeah. else can you do for me? And that's what he's doing. I believe he is a uh, record label boss as well. I think he has a, a, a label named named CMG, which is part of the deal that, that you're mentioning there with Interscope. But it makes total sense. Audi Field opened, I think, in 2016. Uh, it is uh, right around the corner from the new Nat Stadium um, as as 
concerts come back into full swing. A lot of people say that they're expecting kind of a, a crunch on live events, people looking to book spaces to kind of make up for tours that were canceled, events that were canceled. Um, it's an increasingly crowded market in DC from a stadium standpoint. And you're right. I think anything that Audi Field can do to maybe separate itself from from the others, and if that includes the relationship that uh, a hip hop star and his record label have uh, with the team that plays there and owns it, um, or not owns it, sorry, but plays there, um, I think that's a uh, I think that's an important one. Here's a little tease, Eben. I will be when this airs, when this is out for download, I will be en route to Audi Field, mm. and I'm not going to spill why, but it will also be the subject of Thursday morning show. Oh, so little, how about little that for tease. A teaser? Yes, little little tease. Our our guest uh, will will be there on uh, uh, when this downloads, and uh, we'll talk with that person for Thursday's show. By the way, not only Yo Gotti had I not heard of. You ready for two other names that I'd never heard of? <laughs> yeah, I know where you're going. Good you transition. Know where I'm going on this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Emily Raderanu and Layla Fernandez. And, uh, albeit, I am not a huge tennis fan. I will occasionally tune in. I used to cover the U.S. Open many, many times. Um, so I was always up to date on sort of the hot stories, but, uh, I don't think I'm alone in not having heard of Emily Raderanu and all of a sudden you better put her on, uh, you know, the front page because she went from qualifier to U.S. Open champion. Pretty unreal story. The Emma Raducanu story is, uh, it's, it's crazy. If this was a different sport, I think, or if we lived in, in, in the UK, I think this would be the, the, the lead of the show and, and be would, the biggest would topic Would this be Lester winning the EPL right or like it, even it, further? It honestly might be even further. I mean, she, she up until three months ago had never played a top level women's tour event ever. She took 18 months away from the sport to get her degree kind of in the middle of COVID. She'd only played in one other grand slam. She's made $300,000 her entire career playing tennis. She just cashed a, a $2.5 million check for winning. Um, she won in, she never dropped a set the Didn't entire tournament. Set, yeah. First person, women since Serena, I think to do that in 2014. Um, the, the, the list of kind of firsts, not, not to mention how young she is, uh, where she's ranked the list of firsts and kind of un, unprecedented parts of this story, I think are really fascinating. Um, I want to read you and get your thoughts on this because I have thoughts, but I, I'm curious to get yours first. <laughs> of I'm course gonna I'm going to read you uh, a headline from The Guardian. Um, Emma is obviously she's British. Emma Raducanu, the U.S. Open winner, could become Britain's first billion dollar sports star. What do you think of that? Hold your horses. <laughs> Hold. Oh, well, well, my God. Like the gate just opened and, and we've got the finish line in sight already. Whoa. I'm pulling the reins on that. I am pulling the I know she's young and she made a big splash, but that, you know. That, that there are there are a lot of tales of caution uh, in all sport and especially individual sports like tennis. We've seen a lot on sort of, you know, the mental health struggles that go into it. Now, the pressure that comes into it, it, it is not an easy life. Um, so I uh, just simple. I would say, whoa, Nelly, <laughs> I, I would not make that statement. I 100 percent agree. We a couple a couple months ago, Kurt did for us the, the highest paid female athletes in the world. Naomi Osaka, number one on that list at fifty five million dollars, a record for the most a female athlete has ever made in a single year uh, to, to, to project that that this woman potentially could be making a uh, billion dollars over the course of her career is essentially having, you know, 20 straight years 
years of what Naomi Osaka did uh, right now. I agree with you. I think it is a, a very lofty expectation for folks who are curious. Serena around $35 million. I'm glad uh, so you no, brought up Serena because because going into the tournament, the storyline was no Roger, no Rafa, no Serena, no mm-hmm. Venus. Like, who cares? I even said it like, who am I selling on Saturday night outside of Novak Djokovic and Naomi Osaka, right? And Naomi lost early on. So it's sort of like, okay, now what? This is good for tennis, like that I know these other players. And even Leila Fernandez in defeat with that gracious speech about New York and resilience puts herself further on the map. And I mean, this is exactly what sports need. You need who you know who got next? And clearly, I don't want to go to the billion, but they got next. These are two fantastic young players who fans seem to like, right? And I'm not going to say it overshadowed Djokovic's pursuit of the calendar Grand Slam. And of course, Medvedev, you know, kept that from happening in straight sets. But I'll put it right on par because it, it became such a, a global story that this 18-year-old did what she did that it somehow managed to sort of elbow and, you know, get their way in there for attention. That's what tennis needs. Good for tennis. I totally agree. I think if the best case scenario was Serena wins another Grand Slam and in the men's side, Federer versus Djokovic in the the finals, if that was off the table before the tournament even started, you ended up with a really good, compelling tournament on both sides of the draw. And and the women were talking about, you know, Emma and and Layla, and they're they're both uh, from immigrant families. There's a lot of really interesting storylines and not just for them kind of across that draw. And let's talk about the men for a second. Novak Djokovic won the first three Grand Slams this year, was going, trying to be the, the the first man in, in over 50 years to be the you know, to, to win the, the calendar Grand Slam in a row. Uh, he did not get there. He kind of ran out of steam, it feels like. And Daniil Medvedev, who one of the best t- tennis players in the world for the past couple years, uh, you're saying who got next? If you're a, a fan of the men's tennis game, he's certainly high on the list of players that you expect to see in this position for, th- for the next 10 years or maybe even more. And I do love, this is what you get when you get the, the, you know, the who got next, the younger generation. Did you see what he said about his celebration? I did. That, yeah. that it was all based on the FIFA celebration in PlayStation, right? So, so good. Yeah. Young people must be looking at that. And he says, oh, yeah. It was, you know, I was talking to the other guys in the locker room. They're young. They're cool. They're hip. And they say, yeah, we love that celebration. You got I don't even I don't even remember what it was. But yeah, you got, I guarantee you my son knows that. I guarantee you my son knows exactly what he's talking about. And I'm sure whether it's through TikTok or whatever other platform he's engaging with his sports, that the comments from Medvedev uh, will, will reach his ears and he'll be like, oh, how cool is that? Who is this guy? And then he'll go, and, hey, dad, did you see what this tennis player? And he'll botch the name. But did you see what this tennis player <laughs> said? And he loves the FIFA. So, uh, again, how do, you, how do you build new audience? That's how you build new audience. You know who's got no problem building audience? Mm, who? Where am I going? You know this one. Uh, the NFL. The NFL right, so has no problem. Yeah, yeah, you know, you know how you build new audiences. I got, right? I, I got a good way to build new audiences. You start a new season, and you put one of the most popular teams and brands, Dallas Cowboys, against the defending champions, who happen to have probably who is still the face of the league and has been for a long time, Tom Brady. You put Cowboys versus Tom Brady, Super Bowl champion Bucks. Guess what? Lots of people watch, and in this instance. We're talking 26 and a half million best since 2015, not only to have good players, but a close game 21 to 19 and the NFL is back. 
Yeah, I mean, it. The, the, we kind of knew, had an idea that the ratings were going to pop a little bit over last year, but this is, as you said, it's one of the better numbers they've had for an opening uh, day weekend in, in a decade, essentially. Um, and that has to make has to make owners extremely excited and also partners of the league. I think we had a kind of a tease at this that we talked about last week. The ratings for early college football games were also extremely good uh, in week one. Um, and that kind of seems to whet the appetite for, for football being back. Um, but, you know, and we did two shows last week about the strength of the NFL business. We don't need to kind of go through all of it, but, but a new piece of news uh, in there as well, Scott, the, the NFL did renew its Verizon partnership. Uh, this has been a longstanding partnership that, that, that the two sides have had actually a pretty pricey one. I believe the last deal was five years, $2.5 billion over the course of it. So, so up there with, in, in some ways kind of up there with the TV money in terms of really valuable and, and important multi-billion dollar partnerships for the league. And they have extended that 10 years. Yeah, the key here, though, uh, for me, and I hear there's like a, unila- a unilateral opener for the NFL after seven. So if things go away, you can get, you know, going their way and get even more money. But the key here is the first deal with Verizon. Remember when content was king, content, content. It was about what can we deliver to our customers via phone or whatever, tablet. Great. Now it seems to be pivoting to just straight up technology. 5G in, or in stadium, uh, at home, outside of, you know, how can Verizon help the NFL with how it intends to build audience, how it intends to scale business globally with technology. That's that's the interesting part here. It's always about uh, what we talked about earlier. A bunch of companies will probably willing to give the NFL money. But what else can you do for me? This is the future of the NFL. It's it's Whether it's blockchain, whether it's mobile, um, tech, scale, this is what the future of all sports league are. So there you go. It, it makes total sense that Verizon is still here. And it's not the only piece of NFL business because Sunday Ticket is still out there. It's the last piece of the puzzle in the NFL media bucket. And not an unfamiliar name seems to be at the table. Yeah, I mean, this is the last, again, the last piece of the of the overall multi-billion dollar uh, media approach that the NFL essentially had an 18-month window uh, to renew. There's a lot of different names that get kind of whispered around there. ESPN, I believe, is the one you're talking about there. Disney, at least we know, is having uh, those conversations. Uh, I believe there's a lot of others as well. Oh, I, I, I'm going to go bigger. I, I'm, I'm going to go, you know, the, this guy likes to go to space. Um, and Andy Jassy replaced him. You know, they're already there. You, if you've got Amazon already paying what about a billion a year for Thursday night key. And this is always the key word here. Exclusive first streaming exclusive. That's important. They're trying to, of course, do anything and everything to build up their subscribers for prime in the e-commerce world. So even if it's a loss leader, I'm not saying it will be, but you're hearing two and a half billion dollars a year. I think our, our old pal, Alex Sherman, Put that dollar figure out there. Hello to Alex. You better be listening. But you know, if Amazon is a front runner for Sunday Ticket uh, on an exclusive basis, and if you're not familiar with Sunday Ticket, that's the package that enables you to see all the out of town, uh, out of market games. So if you happen to, let's say, as I do, live in New Jersey, but you're a big fan of pick a team elsewhere, um, the I don't know, pick one. Which team? Jaguars. The Jacksonville Jaguars. I hate when people say that. But after game one, you might not be a huge fan of Jacksonville. Sorry, Evan, I know that's your team. Um, you know, it enables you to watch your all the games from outside of your market. So, I mean, it's been with DirecTV. It's just, oh, it's been so synonymous. 
more than a quarter of a century, it's been associated direct TV. That I mean, that was the differentiator. That's why people signed up for the satellite service because they wanted to get this red or the out of market package Sunday ticket. So that that deal ends after 22-23. So we have another year to go, but you know the NFL operating well ahead of time. And in again, the what can you do for me? There's a reason why Yes Network and the Yankees partnered with Amazon um, and Sinclair. You get the heft of Sinclair, the streaming know-how and e-commerce of Amazon. Yeah, it's what else can you do? How can we be good partners? How else can you support us? Yes, Amazon's going to have to pay a lot of money or anybody else for that matter, but you better bring some other synergy. And certainly Amazon already does that on the Thursday night football side. Just to close the book on this, there's also the NFL is in the market selling a piece of all of maybe none of uh, it's, it's media, it's, it's media properties. The, the yep. NFL owned ones. So NFL network uh, is, is in that bucket. The NFL.com NFL app, uh, things of that nature as well. Two so. words, strategic partner, not exactly. only investor and buyer, strategic partner. Boy, Amazon fits that bill as well. I was going to say, yeah. And some of the same the same companies we're talking about here as potential uh, Sunday ticket uh, buyers are also probably in the same conversation about potential strategic partners for the NFL-owned media properties as well. All right. He is Eben Novi Williams about to hang 10 in the surf of sunny San Diego. If you want to follow him on Twitter, it is Novi underscore Williams. I am Scott Soshnick. You can follow me on Twitter at Soshnick. Cora Veltman is our social media editor. She loves it when I tell you folks that you can find the show at Sportacast, which is the hub of what will very soon become the Sportico Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.